Hey, uh, Jimmy Valentine, that was a really great game-winning score you had there at the sporting event. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. You can look for that card really soon at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. They got tons of sports memorabilia. Jimmy Valentine, RKO Radio News. Jimmy, what makes Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics your favorite comic store in the Colorado area? I'm telling you, forget about it. A comic collector like me, I can save 20% on a hold slot. Duh. Plus, it's hard for me. I'm on the road all the time. If I want the amazing Spider-Man and I'm not around, it's in my hold slot. Jimmy Valentine, what do you have to say about your recent allegations about steroid use? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question, but I am going to tell you that if I want to get Magic the Gathering cards, I go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. <laughs> the little square Jimmy Jr., he loves those. So go to 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Nevada, Colorado. They'll take really good care of you. Hold on, Jimmy. One Jimmy, more question. One more question Wait, no, no, don't go yet. Does this sound familiar? You're interested in purchasing that new action figure, but aren't sure if it's worth it? Well, come check out PlasticExplosion.com, where you can go to find all the latest and greatest action figure previews and reviews. Every week, they'll be bringing you reviews and picks from your favorite collections, such as DC Universe, Masters of the Universe Classics, Marvel Universe, Star Wars, Transformers, and many more. Come check us out at PlasticExplosion.com. That's PlasticExplosion.com. Barbecue that can't be beat. Try Birdman Barbecue Sauce. Available and original and spicy. These robust full flavor sauces have the awesome power to kick your taste buds in their face. And for that smoke and taste on everything you eat, try new Birdman Smoke and Rub. Caution! Meat left unrubbed may suffer from flavor performance anxiety. You can pick up Birdman Barbecue at local area Ace Hardware stores. Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, and the Danny Cash Hot Shop Off-Broadway. You can also like us on Facebook at Birdman BBQ. Welcome to the podcast. I am Ryan. To my right is... James. And to my left is nobody. Brad Aww. is not here this week. Sorry, Brad. We are minus a nerd. We are nerd down. <laughs> nerd down. Oh, that's too... Uh, not because he's dead. For the record. Yeah. Brad, no. Brad's um, not dead. He is probably doing something else. Like, yeah. Oh, Maybe is today gonna... his screening? Um, his movie or is that I, yesterday? I don't know. No, no. I'm was, a terrible it was, friend. It was earlier in the week. Know. Yeah. I don't want to say it was that because then I really would sound like a jackass for not knowing. Um, he didn't say why he's not here, so I assume, you know, he's going to see Growl or whatever that band was. Uh, yeah, he's probably hanging out with some girl. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. girls are more important than we no, are. No, good for him. Get, yeah, it's yeah. all right. You know, you, you know what? Take a break. Get you some girl. Take a break. You, yeah. know, you can have a vacation from Real Nerds. I'll pay his PTO. One of these days, I'm going to get a vacation from Real Nerds. Uh, didn't you go on vacation just a couple months ago? Hey, hey, that was months ago. Was it months ago? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. That's fine. I enjoy doing this, so. Uh, yeah, I do too. Because you know what? We can talk about movies like Lincoln, which we saw this week. We did. And Brad, I'm sorry you missed Lincoln. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll hear what he has to say about it next week. If if you listen just because you like Brad, which I know you're out there. Someone has to. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's got to be at least one or two. There's got to be one or two of them. But if you're a longtime listener of the show, uh, you know we do things in a certain order. Mm -hmm. Um, As we're constantly trying to tweak the show and make it better, James came up with an idea to make it better. And uh, I'm going to take his advice because you know what? I am a great host, and I will listen to my co-host and let him make suggestions. So this just, is, yeah, it was just an idea for you know switching things up a bit and seeing how because we're not experts on this, we're no. just flying by the seat of our pants, and to assume that the the way we did it first was the right way to do it is not a safe way to to, no. to make good entertainment. And so. also, if you don't like it, you can blame James. Yeah, yeah, and by all means, send in an email and say, "Hey, show's really boring now. You guys fucking suck." Totally, um, and, and we'll we will it. read it on the, we on, will, the on the air. You know what, James? The one thing I will not change is what is the very first thing we do, uh, and that is fan mail. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that should be first. You're right. Fan mail. So I love to giving shout outs to fan mail because our fans are the most important thing. Without our fans, we don't have anybody. You know, we, we, this would be going to nobody, not yeah. broadcasting anywhere. Um, Cora, who's one of our fans, mm-hmm. Lime Coconut, um, on Twitter, she said she saw Wreck-It Ralph this week. It was great. And she's on. She's going to see Skyfall this week. That which, sounds like a great week. You can't go wrong. I yeah. mean, if I could see him back to back, I would. Yeah. Maybe I still will. You know, it's, it's still still have time. Yeah. 
the, both the those movies, movies are, are not coming so fast yet that I can't get a chance to go see Skyfall again. And honestly, and I want uh, to. James was worried that Cora stopped listening to us because of his <laughs> scathing review of Frank yeah, and Weenie. Yeah, we hadn't le- we hadn't heard from Cora since I said that I didn't like Frank and Weenie. Not that she could so. possibly be busy with other stuff. It's just no, it, no, no, no. We're the most important things. Or in the, life. yeah. Um, but she might not listen to us after a little later. <laughs> um, we also got a tweet from Raphael, who was gracious enough to sit with us at the Telluride Horror Show and talk about his great movie, The... Uh, the Quiet Girl's Guide to Violence, which I am way better at saying than I, Ryan is. I do not say it because for some reason that whole that movie's titled... I can't Makes say him it. Yeah, see, it just I, freezes him up. I, I don't know why. It freezes me up. I, I don't know why. He doesn't, he doesn't like violent girls. I, I think don't. That's what it is. <laughs> I like it when they're just quiet and submissive. He was also gracious enough to sit down with us and have breakfast. <laughs> he was. Which was pretty dope. That was dope. And he also talked to us about Brian Michael Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. And he also talked to us about nerd things. And he was one of the guys when we were at the um, pig roast, always um, just started talking to us. Yeah. And anyways, he said we did a great interview and he'd sit down to breakfast with us anytime. And I replied, anytime, sir. So anytime you're in Denver or Colorado... Or, or if you've got a big movie coming out and you want to fly us to L.A., yeah, by all means, we will come have <laughs> yeah. breakfast with you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget your friends at Real Nerds. <laughs> um, my favorite message I got this week, and I'm not, you know. You're I, a little biased. I'm a little biased. I'll, I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, my little niece, Taylor, who is 11, um, I and this isn't even a tweet because obviously she doesn't have a Twitter account. She's too young to have yeah. that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she sent me a text message and asked me if I saw Wreck-It Ralph. And I said, I did. It was really good. And then her next message to me was, did the real nerds talk about it? I loved that movie. <laughs> and I love that because one, my little niece has, you know, s- talking about my podcast. Yeah. And two, she wanted to know if we talked about a movie she loved on it because she's she's not old enough to listen to it. Unfortunately, if my niece wanted to listen to it, we don't have enough <laughs> constitution to keep our mouths shut. And restraint to be, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't say fuck this week. Whoa, whoa. You already broke that rule. I know, right? So I can't. <laughs> I can't, uh, but Taylor, I love you and I wish you could listen to my show. When I'm dead, you can listen to my show. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or when you Uh, turn um, 18. Or, you know what? Maybe my brother's Which will probably be after you're dead. So maybe in four years, you can listen to this show. And she has a shirt, doesn't she? She does. And she wears it to school. So I'm really. I'm really proud that my niece does that. Of course, I hope none of her classmates download <laughs> our podcast because then maybe she'll get sent to the principal's office because she has a real nerds t-shirt that has explicit. And yeah. But anyways, thank you everybody who sends us something. If, Absolutely. If you're wondering how to reach us, we're at real, our E-E-L underscore nerds. You can also, tw- uh, that's our Twitter. You can go on Facebook and leave us a message, real nerds podcast on Facebook. You can go to our website, real you can also leave us a direct email, realnerds at gmail.com. And speaking of emails, I'm not going to read the specifics of this email that I got this week, but in May of 2013, the Real Nerds will be back at Denver Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So make sure you pick up tickets. You can pick buy tickets November 23rd. November 23rd, they're going to announce more guests. Right now, they have Kelly Hugh. If you don't know Kelly Hugh, she was in Scorpion King, but I'm going to ask her to well, be on our show because she's also in friday the 13th part eight. Oh, is she really she is oh and funny so, um she actually has a really great death in it um she's being chased by jason and she gets to this um dance floor underneath the cruise ship and she thinks she sees jason everywhere and then he comes up and just strangles her death. it's a great and it's kind of horrifying because he the one thing about friday the 13th you know sometimes it might be a machete head it's really quick but he just yeah. strangles her and like breaks her neck it's really graphic but uh, I really want to ask her about that. It yeah. might be unfair to, to to just say that she was from the Scorpion King because she's also in X2, which is a far better yeah. movie. Well, yeah. Of course. And that's her. I mean, I'd say Scorpion King and um, Lady Deathstrike in X2 is kind of her. Yeah, those are the big, the big ones. Yeah. And she's really pretty. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to maybe being able to sit down and talk to her. Uh, Stan Lee will be there. Um, I will beg Stan Lee to be on my show. <laughs> I will probably not get anywhere with it. But you never yeah. know. Yeah, uh, and Georgia Jonti, who of George course we got to interview, is going to come back. Um, I love him. Which means that for the next year, I have to come up with a whole bunch of questions that are not the kind of questions that everybody else would ask. I'm already working on that. Well, good. Because, and you know, if you have you seen his new cover for Buffy, um, it is amazing. Oh gosh. Oh um, man. Yeah. He's a, he's a great artist. Yeah. 
So uh, we're and if, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It was called Artist Alley, and we talked to all those people at uh, George's John, T. Rebecca Isaacs, Comic-Con. and Zach Howard. So wow. I'm sure Zach Howard will be there. He's a Colorado guy. So. Oh, I'm sure, I, I bet he's coming back. He's he's why my fingers are crossed that uh, that uh, the Joe the Joe Hill might end up being there. Yeah, because be they they've worked together some, and you know. They, you never know. So you might send him an email. Denver Comic Con. You can buy tickets November twenty third. Absolutely, and you will buy hear about em. that every week. You will hear about it. We'll start forever. putting banners up on our website. We love Denver Comic Con. They were so gracious to us. Yeah. Um, Chris, who's now in charge of the podcast, Peak. Ooh. Um, he had his new. I think it said podcast director when he signed his email. So. Oh wow. We have a Chris who we met at Mile High Comics auction. I, I just love him. I, I really do because. Yeah. I mean, it's a big con, and for them to embrace us and say we did a good job, I mean, that means a lot yeah. to me, you know? Especially, so. I mean, looking at, um, it is no small thing how far we've come from where we were a year ago, mm-hmm. and I I don't think any of us would argue that it is not solely because of Denver Comic Con. We would not be where we were if it weren't oh, for I mean, how, so much exposure. how nice those people were to us and how much they, um, you know, we asked for just a little bit, and they gave us a mile, um, yep. and it was fantastic. Because, you know... The volunteers there were amazing. Yeah. The artists there were amazing. The celebrities were so cool. Um, you can actually you can click on the Denver Comic Con website and you can watch me do the panel with James Marsters on Sunday. They haven't put up yours yet. No, they have. They no, have. It's there. Yeah, I haven't yeah, yeah. seen it. You can you can watch me sit there and watch Craig Fer- Craig Ferguson or Colin Ferguson Colin talk. Ferguson. But you um, know what? Your panel was great. It was no, it was really good. Uh, not because of me, but yeah, it was good. Um, and my panel was amazing too. I pointed at people to ask James Marsters questions, <laughs> and some of them are fantastic questions. <laughs> they are they're oh, great. Um, you should really watch it. And I will say this: James Marsters smells great. I've said it before, and he's <laughs> a really nice guy. So yeah. it's really cool. Um, anyways, I'm going off on a tangent about Denver Comic Con, but we're really excited to be part of it again. Um, we can't wait to see more artists announced, and uh, I think this year we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a little more. Um, gung ho attitude because last oh, yeah. year we were a little afraid, but well, we George's John T, Rebecca Isaac, Zach Howard gave us the courage we needed. Yeah. Well, and we didn't know what we could and couldn't do, and what uh, what kind of stuff to expect uh, next year. We're gonna have amazing stuff on here. Yeah, and, and what we found wait. out is if you just ask these people, they are so gracious and yeah. nice, they'll do it. Uh, yeah. Michael Uslin, huge producer of Batman movies, invited yeah. me to his autograph booth. I was in his autograph booth to have an interview with him, and his son um, was really cool, Daniel too. Um, anyways. Denver Comic Con next year is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So this is the part where we're changing it, James. Ooh, um, this is your suggestion. So again, if you hate it, make sure you take James in the emails. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you will because this is one of my favorite parts of the show, and that we're putting it on the top. Maybe it helps the show be better, mm-hmm. and that's all we can hope for. Absolutely. So Brad, get ready because you're going to be editing this part. Stuff we've been watching. So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I think this is a good idea because then we get we get space Nazis right up at the beginning of the podcast. Absolutely. So, James, we'll start with you. Okay. What did you watch this week? Well, I didn't watch a lot. Uh, I will mention that American History, um, American Horror Story is like five episodes in, and this is about the type time that last season I started really falling apart and just mm-hmm. feeling. Like, and I'm loving the show. You haven't watched any. I have haven't you? had an opportunity to. My wife is recording on DVR, and okay. I don't know if she's watching it, but okay. I'm going to give you just a little bit of spoilers, but just okay. the kind of stuff that's going to make you go like, holy shit, this, is, this is totally different than what I expected, which is just to say that so far, through the five episodes, there have been Aliens and Anne Frank. Wow. Yeah. This show is not at all what last season was. Um, I heard it's I actually know. genuinely scary. Ah, I, yeah, there, there's some stuff in there that I'm like, holy shit, this is, yeah. And everybody, especially the big ones like James Cromwell, amazing performances. They're great. Cromwell. Um, but the big thing was I saw Iron Sky this week, <laughs> which is a movie you've been circling on your calendar. <laughs> well, I've known about this movie for years because the thing is, if you come to me and you say, Hey, I'm going to make a movie about, um, Nazis that have made like a swastika shaped, uh, moon base on the dark side of the moon and they're flying, flying saucers and they're com- going to come back and invade the earth. I'm there. Yeah. Sounds there's, good. there's. I, I, there's hardly anything that could keep me from watching that movie. And I've known about it for years. They did trailers. And um, this movie, it's a little independent movie. And, and the way they made it is that most of it is green screened. Clearly, the people who made it uh, are, are talented um, CG artists. You know, I would say it looks... 
the CG looks somewhere on par with like Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily shot the same, but no, no I don't mean the old battle. You're laughing like I mean the new Battlestar okay. Galactica, which had really good CG. Not <laughs> um, okay. no, no, no. It's it's really good CG. I mean, it's not shot to the same way that that realistic style, but uh, I think the the graphics look really good. Um, and so most of it is just green screen with people in in costumes. Um, so I say all of that so disheartened to say that despite how little work you would have to do to keep this movie good, this movie's awful. Really? It is absolutely awful um, because they can't not get in their own way. Um, mm, one of those these movies. people have... It, it. The movie has a horrible sense of humor. Um, and I knew I was in trouble when the, the, the opening scene of the movie... Uh, I, well... The opening scene of the movie is these two astronauts and they land on the moon and they're walking around and one of them looks over and there's this huge dugout hole and there's a Nazi base in there. And you're like, yeah, Nazis on the moon. All right. <laughs> uh, and then these like SS looking astronauts show up and shoot the one guy with like a space Luger. And you're like, nice. all right, this is going to be awesome. And I mean, the, the costumes, especially the spacesuits, look pretty cheesy, but I didn't care because I'm like, just no Nazis in space. I'm there. Uh, but then I noticed that the other Nazi or the other space, uh, the other astronaut, was wearing like a dark gray uh, astronaut suit, and then I noticed that like his voice sounded like that of a black man, and then I realized that they had a joke here where like the the one astronaut who was the white one had a white astronaut sp- suit, and the, the, then when they sent a black man into space, he had a black astronaut suit, and then I was like, oh, oh, oh no, what are you doing? Oh no. Uh, and then there's there's all this stuff they they go to earth a lot and and oh cuz the first thing that happens is when they land on the on the planet they they shoot off these banners and they're giant reelect president palin banners and the problem with a, a a joke like that when you're making a movie and it takes you like 3 or 4 years to make that movie is that now that the movie's out, that joke's not funny. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that. Like it's just not. Like it's old. It's so, an old joke. So, um, what's the Nazis' end game with this? What is what was the point of having a moon base? Uh, well, be, it's because they survived the end of the war. So, like, they, they there is a great scene, which is the kind of scenes I wanted, where we meet our main character and she's this teacher of of Earth history, and she's talking about like you know this great popular short film called the Great the Great Dictator but she calls it a short film because they only watch like the part where he's Hitler and he's dancing with the planet. Um, and they talk about like how Hitler wanted peace for everybody. And she's talking about how like they're the cure for, for earth and all of this stuff. Um, and then the kids are saying like, you know, she's asking the kids like, you know, wh- uh, where are we from? And they say earth. And she says, when did we leave earth? And they say 1945. And she says, where do they go? And they all go the dark side of the moon. <laughs> and you're just like, that's the, pr- that premise is so good that it is such a shame that this movie gets so distracted by its weird political bullshit. And like, I, I, oh man, you would be amazed at where it goes. There's a sequence where they end up, <sighs> Uh, so the black astronaut gets captured and he's running through the, the, the Nazi base. Right. And he gets captured by this freaky scientist who, um, they decide for some reason that they are going to put him through this machine that turns him Aryan. So then for the rest of the movie, the black guy has, has a blonde wig and blue, uh, like contact lenses and he's painted white and, uh, and then they just decide like, well, we're going to send the guy who used to be a black guy and the guy who's going to be the next fear and his girlfriend down to earth so they can get more cell phones because for some reason, the astronaut brought his cell phone with him and it still works in space. Like, like really the crux of the movie and the Nazis going to earth revolves around them wanting more cell phones, which what? No, no, no. You know why the Nazis come to Earth? Because they want to take over the Earth. That's all you need this movie <laughs> to be. Why? Why did you get so distracted by this other bullshit? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then at the horrible. end, at the end, there is this big space battle, and the space battle is not not bad, but there's nothing in it. Like the the person leading it is only mad at the Nazis because she he, like he slept with her, and now she's mad at him because like then he ran away with somebody else. And I'm like, no, no, you should be mad at him because he's a Nazi from space. What? What is all this other bullshit? It's ridiculous. Um, 
So anyway. <laughs> so I, the writer in you really came out about all the ways it could possibly go. And yeah. it never went the ways you wanted it to go. Well, no, all I wanted was Nazis in space. And we fight the Nazis, and they have... You know, it does still have some of the cool aesthetics. Like there is this good joke where when they when they first see the cell phone and he says like, well, it's like a phone and a computer. And the Nazi scientist goes, that's not a computer. And then he turns around and he's got like a giant cray computer with bleeping dots and like gears and shit on it. And he's like, this is a computer. And it's like this very mad scientist moment. And it's a funny it's a funny scene. It's what I wanted the whole movie to be. Uh, it's it's just a shame. Oh, man. Anyway, don't see Iron. So if you're one of those people who. Like, thought it was a good premise and can't have a hard time finding this movie. Don't just buy it because you think it's going to be good. Um, you can actually rent it on Amazon for three dollars, but I wouldn't suggest you do that either. Um, <laughs> that bad. Yeah, yeah, it's such a shame. Anyway, that's all I saw this week. Oh wow, I, I kind of saw a lot this week. Oh good. Um, I saw um, Cora. Please don't stop listening to our show. But uh, <laughs> I saw Frankenweenie, and again, uh, not impressed. There are moments with the, in the movie that I thought were cute. Yeah. Um, the part where Sparky is flirting with the dog next door is yeah. cute. Which I think is... I, I've never seen the short film. Have you? No. I think the short film consists of some of more of that. Uh, Which, like, I think that's a lot of what it was, but... I mean, it's cute. Um, and I like the... Actually, I like the opening movie, too, where Sparky was, you know, attacking the monsters. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, but then again, Tim Burton gets in the way of Tim Burton. And again, it's a story about an outsider trying to fit in. But it never um, it never hits home the no. way that like a Paranorman does. It doesn't. And the stop motion isn't that good. Yeah. that I, I, think, I really think that's maybe the biggest Because, problem. I mean, the, the major um, plight of Victor in this movie is he doesn't want to, people to find out that he brought his dog back to life. Yeah. That's it. That's a conflict in the movie. Yeah. And then, well, well, until the second half when people do find out and then they make giant monsters, but that climax is not... But how did the giant... Because Miracle Grow makes a turtle grow? Um, the, the thing is, like, the end of that how, movie... I'm sorry, the, the the Asian kid? Was that the most racist thing? I know, I said... I, I It's, like, I think they thought they were trying to be funny or whatever, but, it, no, it's incredibly racist. Um, and you know me, I don't really care about stuff like that, but when it's that, like, yeah. jarring, yeah, you notice it. Right, when, um, I mean, that's me talking like this. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Because if it were just like George Takai's voice, that would be funny. That'd be dude, George Takai in that role would yeah. be awesome. I mean, he would sound like an old man in a child's <laughs> voice body, and that might be why it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, part of it is at the end of that movie where you've got all these monsters, and it's supposed to be paying homage to all this horror genre stuff, um, like the Asian guy being stepped on by a giant lizard monster. Uh, well, turtle monster in this case, it should be as um, fulfilling mm-hmm. as the end of Cabin in the Woods is. Yeah, you know, but it's not. No, it ends up just being like, oh, okay, so now these monsters are here, and and you know, this sounds horrible, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think they missed a really big opportunity. And spoilers, um, I think they should have left Sparky dead. Oh, because I think it would have been more powerful for this yeah. dog to be given life again, and he uses his life to save Victor, mm-hmm. and then the dog dies, and then he has to learn to yeah. Then the kid learns that you yeah. shouldn't bring everything back to life. You're right, and I think that yeah. is a huge opportunity missed. And I think again, that's why Tim Burton's become lazy. He's caring more about I'm going to sell shirts at Hot Topic than I am about making movies, and his camera work isn't exciting. Um, I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into the movie. And, you know, again, I tried to go in, you know, I said, you know, because I kind of got into it when it was, you know, he was attacking the things at the beginning. Yeah. And, um, no, it's it a cute it little love strong. story at the beginning. And then it just, it gets horrible. Yeah. And again, the, the, the animation, those characters don't, the, the human characters, I think are pretty good, but the, the, the monsters and the like pet characters. Yeah. Except for their mouths. Just, their mouths bothered me when they were the talking. Pe- the people's mouths? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it didn't yeah, seem like they were are... synced right. Except for, I, I, I do think that, um, oh, shoot, uh, Martin Landau's character is just awesome. Yeah. Every time that character's on screen, and, and every, well, every time Martin Landau is on anything, it's awesome. And, you know, my wife brought up a good point after we were seeing it. She says, in what year does that take place in? Yeah. Because they have all this modern stuff, but then it's kind of not modern. It's, yeah. it's really bizarre. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't see it, but. It does, yeah, it just co- does come off as Tim Burton being kind of lazy. Yeah. Um. Which, you know, I kind of had sort of the opposite 
anticipation for it because sometimes when when directors usually early in their career go back to earlier material of theirs short films student films and things like that and remake it you know thx 1138 district 9 was one of those um they can produce amazing things because it's king kong peter yeah you're right peter jackson's king kong um because it's basically they're they're being given the chance to the things that they dreamed when they were nascent artists um they're being given the money to really fulfill that stuff and so this could have been his chance to do that to really like pour so much love of filmmaking and storytelling like he had when he was a student into this um but it doesn't come off that way it It comes off like like yeah it it would be just another generic um uh, kids film even if it were good and i think a problem too is he didn't write the screenplay so he's having someone else write how he felt about this yeah you're right project i don't know and again, I try to give movies a benefit of the doubt. I just, whatever. So, Frank and Weenie, you can see it if you want. I don't know. Kids might like it. Actually, I don't think you can anymore. Is it gone? I think it might be. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I also um, rewatched The Amazing Spider-Man on Blu-ray, which is really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I love Spidey. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, rewatching the movie, it just got me going on these emotions again. And, and you know, and then I'm watching uh, the performances now. And Andrew Garfield's so good in it. Um, there's a great making of that's about um, almost two hours, and they have some test footage from the uh, screen test with uh, Emma Stone. Oh and yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah, and and you can see that they're flirting in that. There's a part where Emma Stone's waiting for Spider-Man to come out, and she has this. She's talking about you know she was screen testing with it, and she said you know the the little girl in you gets really excited because you see kids in spider-man costumes like oh he's cute but now you're looking at real spider-man and you're looking at spider-man with the most amazing costume and and it's just really cute (laughs) and there's some great deleted scenes in it um the blu-ray is beautiful it sounds amazing you should definitely pick up this blu-ray um you'll hear more about amazing spider-man in a couple weeks um i also watched the foot fist way which is um oh uh, right yeah 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 uh 2008 i believe Maybe uh, no, is it 2006. That, is it that long ago? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Wow. With, uh, his name just totally just went out of my head. Uh, Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny yeah. McBride. And it was really what got his um, Will Ferrell's attention about him. Mm-hmm. And he kind of got his thing going. And he plays a uh, Taekwondo instructor. And he he lives with his wife, who is horrible. And it's really funny. I mean, oh. I can't... I, it's hard for me to describe because it's... It's like Danny McBride being Danny McBride, yeah. But in a really funny, I, I can't. You'd have to watch the movie, but I mean, there's so many funny parts because I can't, I can't deliver lines like he can. But, right. You know, when his wife comes home from her job and he just wants to talk about his job, and, you know, being a Taekwondo instructor, yeah. and he basically says, "Oh, I'm sorry, your job's so fucking important." <laughs> and there's a great scene because she got an office job and she comes home one day and he's already kind of suspicious about her, and uh, she puts down a a folder and this little piece of paper comes out and he opens it up and it's her tits like being photocopied <laughs> and he has this conversation with her. He's like, what the hell is this? You know, going on and she talks about how she gave a guy a hand job. It was really funny because just Danny McBride doing yeah. his thing and he finds out the name of the guy she gave a hand job to and his son goes to his Taekwondo studio. So he starts being the shit out of him <laughs> and, uh, you know, the parents are watching and she comes in. She says, why are you beating up my son? She sa- He says, I don't know. Why'd your husband give uh, get a hand job from my wife? And she says, my husband's dead. So it's the wrong guy. <laughs> and he just beat the shit. It's really funny. Oh, and his whole goal is to meet his icon, this guy uh, who's the karate master and gives great demos. Yeah. It's really funny. It's uh, funny. The, the story of that, scene, as I heard it back when that movie was, was passing around, was that like when Will Ferrell and his friends would found out about that movie, they would like get together every couple of weeks and and all come and watch that movie together because they loved it so much. Yeah, and that's it funny. became like a like a little cult film for them, and that's of course why they had to seek that guy out and get mm-hmm. him uh, famous. Uh, I think it's part of why I've never seen it is just because as little as I've, I've liked Will Ferrell for the last few years, yeah. so when I heard that, I was like, oh well, then I'll probably not like it. Uh, but maybe but he I'll also have to check has it out. Uh, a little. Uh, apprentice i guess his name's julio who's really funny in it um but you can watch it for free it's on amazon prime right now oh very cool so you should check it out it's really funny 
Um, I also saw a movie called Intruders, which is a really small horror film starring Clive Owen that came out in hmm. January or in March. I'm sorry, in March. Um, and it's directed by the guy who directed 28 Weeks Later. So I was kind of interested to see it. I like 28 Weeks Later a lot. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times in in horror movies, sometimes directors and writers try to outthink themselves. Yeah. Where the movie, actually, it starts off kind of scary. Um, there's a little boy in Spain, and he is being terrorized by a monster called Hollow Face. And he swear he's coming in to steal him, and he's trying to hurt him and take him away. At the same time, there's another story involving Clive Owen's character and his family in England, where this little girl, um, his daughter, finds this story about Hollow Face. So she writes the story about Hollow Face, and she says it's hers. And the story's pretty creepy. It's about a specter who goes into people's houses because he doesn't have a face and tries to steal their face. So uh, there's a a part in it where Hollow Face gets into her room, and... Uh, Clive Owen's fighting with this specter and the specter grabs his daughter and he's, you know, then Clive Owen does this great moment where he's saying, you know, don't hurt her, hurt me, leave her alone. And he rips her mouth off and her mouth obviously comes back, but she can't talk because she, what does a person look like without a face? Is it like makeup over or or, or is it like all bloodied? No, it's yeah. It's like, it's like uh, the chameleon from Spider-Man. Oh, okay. With, but without eyes. It's like there's like, just flesh yeah, instead exactly. of where a feature would be. Exactly. Okay, that's what I So yeah. it starts off really cool, and I think it's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, having your fa- mouth ripped off and you can't talk, and she's yeah. they're trying to figure out. And people think that because she's just terrorized, you know, they obviously think it's just some you know man who's terrorizing her in this room. Um, but it's not, because this monster is terrorizing this little boy in Spain as well. Yeah. And... You know, it keeps on going and going, and I'll, I'll ruin the ending. Big spoilers coming up. Okay. Because um, I don't know if you'll ever see it. <laughs> I, w- I won't. You know me in horror movies. Yep. So it turns out that the little boy is Clive Owen in Spain, and the movie actually takes place at two different time periods. Oh. But here's the stupid part in the movie where it's trying to outthink itself. The hollow face doesn't exist. It's a figment of Clive Owen's imagination because his father, who he didn't know, tried to kidnap him one day. So they redo the opening scene where the little boy's terrorized by Hollow Face with his dad with a hoodie. So and then later so he's ripping his daughter's No. Mouth? Or she shares because she shared that traumatic experience with him. It's some psychological disorder where she does the same. Oh. It's stupid. That's what I mean. It tries out think I think it's more scary when you have a specter yeah. that just yeah, and then at the end, like you have to hold a mirror up to the specter and or say something. spooky words or some shit, and it goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way better. Yeah. So I th- like the first hour and thirty minutes of this movie. I'm like, this movie's pretty good. Yeah. And I, because I, I mean, it only had like two and a half stars on <laughs> Netflix. I'm like, why does it only have two and a half stars? This movie's actually pretty good. It's kind of scary, and but then I see why because the at ending. Le- at least you got two and a half hours of pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I had like a minute and a half of pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I think yeah. Yeah, that's too bad though. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um so maybe there's an alternate ending where it's way better. Yeah. Who knows? That could um, that could be. Uh and then the last thing I saw was Brick, which Ooh. Y- you've told me to watch for a while and for yeah, those of you who don't know, it's Ryan Johnson's first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's his first movie that he did and he's the director of Looper, which we saw this year and which is really good. If you haven't seen Looper, go see Looper. Mm-hmm. Um this movie, oh, man, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> I, I think the movie's actually kind of cool, except I hated the soundtrack in it. Oh, really? I thought it was really distracting. Huh. Because um, it had really weird music, and I I think he had a lot of weird um, student film moments in it, where yeah. I think sometimes they try to be too creative with shots, and it makes it really distracting. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I thought it was really cool that you think this um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character... Uh, I forget his name in it. I do too. Uh, it's Brendan. Yes. And he... Oh, Brendan. He basically... You think he's just like this loner and he's a troublemaker, but it turns out he's actually kind of a a snitch he's, for the school. Yeah, he's like a hard-boiled detective in, in, in exactly, high school. Exactly, a hard-boiled detective in high school. And it, it starts off, and this isn't spoilers because it's really early in the movie, his it's high a, school girlfriend crush is murdered. Mm-hmm. And his... So going forward, his whole mission is to find out who murdered her why they murdered her and i mean it takes a weird turn where he hides her body so he can figure out exactly what happened to her because he's kind of trying to get these people to come out and 
admit why they killed her, what they did with her. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of goes into this really cool kind of film noir where he's interviewing people and he has a really smart guy who helps him set up meetings with people and um, it's and I think you have to talk about the fact that it is it is written like an entire town full of the most intelligent like English major kind of people but they're talking but they're high school students like their yeah, lang- yeah, yeah, their yeah. language is that of sort of a, a blend of you know. <laughs> 30s, uh, like you said, noir film kind of dialogue um, with because, sort of modern you know, dialogue. It's the, really... The, the interview he has, I'm, or the interview, the conversation he has with the assistant principal is yes, amazing. It's, oh, it's freaking amazing. Because yes. he's, it's basically like he's a detective talking to his superior and he says, well, right. if you want me to do this, you got to give me something. And, <sighs> and it's great. It's, yeah. I, I will say I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a tough movie yeah, I, it's it, I I've showed it to people and they have a hard time with it. Yeah, um, it's, it's different. But you know, we were talking earlier the chasing where he's trying to get in with the drug dealer. I'm not trying to spoil the movie too much. But he's no. trying to get in with a drug dealer. I don't spoil movies I like. And uh, yeah. and he's so the drug dealer is supposed to give him a message. And so he thinks this one guy who comes up to him is the drug dealer's messenger, mm-hmm. I guess. And he ends up like stabbing him in the arm, and then he runs away. And it's there's no music. Yes, yeah. the. the the soundtrack is literally their boots running away. Yeah, and when um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character gets so far ahead of him, he takes his boots off and trips this guy, and he bashes his head against a <laughs> a pole. You don't see it, but you hear it. That guy's got to be dead. The dude has to be they dead. never address it, but he's got to be dead. He has to be dead. Like, oh man, uh, it's one of my favorite chase sequences in any movie I've and, ever you know, seen. When you talk, you said that actually brought up another one to me when you were talking about it earlier was when he got um, decked by the muscle of the drug dealer mm-hmm. tug tug and he sees his car later on in the parking lot he's about to bash it in with a, yes. a brick and then uh. tug is like walking all the way across the parking lot like, oh is he gonna do it is he gonna do it? it's a great scene oh it's amazing uh, and what he's what 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 comes after that and as he sort of stays in that parking lot and mm-hmm. what what why he's doing that is a it's fantastic it's really it, good it's a it's a well-written um and and, and the performances movie. are amazing. Yeah, um, and I won't spoil the ending, but the last scene, the conversation he has with a character, is oh, so good. Yeah, because they say this one line, and he's because he's obviously he's figured it out, mm-hmm. and she, and the person says, "I want you to tell me." Oh, dude. Yeah. I was like, yeah. So you should go see Brick. Um, oh. I'm a I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson now. Yeah, and you can find it like it's streaming I've for seen... free on Netflix. Oh, there we go. Okay, good. So, you, yeah, you can also get it. It, it tends to be in a lot of like bargain bins and things like that. Unfortunately, uh, there's still not a Blu-ray of it. Really, people ask him on Twitter about it all the time. Um, so especially like if you saw Looper and you liked and you appreciated him as a filmmaker, and also if you've seen Brothers Bloom. Then there's no question. You got to go back and see this. I mean, yeah, you're right. There is some student filminess to it where he's. I think it's he's, just he's budget, clearly. Really. Yeah, and he's definitely trying to show off a little bit. Mm. You know, he's finally getting a chance to make a big movie, and he wants to put some real stylist, stylistic yeah. stuff up there. And that's just the way he he films. Um, yeah, and it's fine. I mean, yeah. like I said, the only distracting thing to me was the soundtrack. I thought it was a little weird. Yeah, which uh, all I, I, yeah, all three of his movies are are done by his his brother, mm-hmm. um, who I think has gotten better over time. Uh, especially Brothers Bloom, I think has well, yeah, a beautiful soundtrack. I think he understands pacing in movies. You yeah. know, it, it's but yeah. you can't. I mean, the, the movie is written really well. It's acted wonderfully. Um, the, it's really compelling. Mm-hmm. So you should check it out. I, I liked it a lot. Um, cool. So that's what we've been watching. Yeah. Now it's another different part. I'm going to go right into comic book corner. What's up, nerds? It's the comics corner. Now. We're at the point with Comic Book Corner, we're going to have to start digging through our treasures. Yeah, it's going to get weird now. I have so many um, issues, and of course a lot of them, if you listen to this, you know are going to be Spider-Man. But to me, there's certain moments that define the character of Spider-Man. And I'm not just talking about Spider-Man, I'm talking about Peter Parker. Um, and I will pull out one that is really, it might be hard to find. It's not going to be expensive, but it's going to be hard to find because it's not going to be in demand. Yeah. And it's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number five. They're like, hey, friendly neighbor Spider-Man number five. That's just you know a weird one to just shout out. It is. It was a fill-in issue for Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. If you know comic books, after they do the first four parts or five parts or six part stories, they usually have a fill-in story before they start the next arc. And this one is 
it's really creative because it takes place nowadays where there's blogs and Spider-Man's cast in the blog in high school still. And it's a, by this girl named um, Ivana and she's a cheerleader at Midtown High and she's talking about how she was talking to Flash one day and all of a sudden the vulture shows up and Peter Parker runs away and you know you see Parker yeah. in the background. And so all of a sudden from underneath the bleachers where she was sitting Spider-Man is catching on to the vulture with his webbing and he's being pulled through the bleachers and this this whole issue is told through her point of view. Mm-hmm. So she he's pulled through, and then she's like, oh, that creep was probably looking up my dress. And she doesn't realize, that, you know, obviously it's Peter Parker, and he's, yeah. she's, he's trying to help people. Because no one ever realizes. Exactly. Um, so he stops the, the vulture, and since that day, she starts writing a blog about how much she hates Spider-Man. Ooh. And how Spider-Man is, you know, horrible, and she starts believing J. Jonah Jameson. And then he happens, she goes into a bathroom one time. And Spider-Man gets knocked through the bathroom by the looter. <laughs> and she, uh, so this is a second encounter she's had. So now she thinks Spider-Man's trying to impress her. That oh, not not that he was trying to like watch her pee. Ex- yeah. <laughs> that he's like trying to impress her. So now she thinks he's infatuated with her. Uh. And you see her, her, the writing's so good as Peter David. And it's drawn by uh, Mike Winringo, who's at least no longer with us, who's an amazing artist. Mm. Um, and it's just drawn so beautifully and it's written so well that you can see the deterioration of her sanity. And then she has another run in with him at a jewelry store happenstance because he's trying to stop the rhino. Ah. And so she goes to um, a court and she asks for a restraining order against Spider-Man. <laughs> and uh, the judge says, uh, it's a great moment, man. This judge is telling a story and he says that, uh, oh man, what is it? Fuck, I forget it now. But he's basically saying, oh, Martians, this lady wanted a, res- she, she was suing the planet of Mars because she was afraid Martians were going to come down and get her. And this judge told the story, he says, I granted her this suit because one, Mars is never going to pay it. And two, I wanted to, you know, give her, you know, closure and yeah, comfort. Right. And so he said, I'm not going to, I'm going to grant you this restraining order against Spider-Man, but it's not going to be a thousand feet. It's going to be 500 feet because I don't want you calling the cops on him when he's swinging above you in the city or whatever. Mm-hmm. Great. So then she gets her picture taken with J. Jonah Jameson because she won this court battle. Right. And J. Jonah says, I wish there's more, you know, citizens like you. So then, you know, Peter Parker takes her picture for the front page of the Daily Bugle and time passes. And she's sitting in a be- uh, on a bench in a park and she's really old. And um, this lady comes up to her and she says, hey, you're Vanna. And she says, how do you know who I am? I said, oh, she- you wrote those horrible articles about Spider-Man. And she says, who are you? And she says, I'm his widow. And she gives him a bloodied Spider-Man mask. And she says, all he's doing is protecting the city. And you know what? No matter what you said about Spider-Man, no matter what you did, if your life was in danger, he'd still protect you. Mm. And she's like, do you want more proof of who Spider-Man is? And she says, no. And she starts crying. And the whole thing ends uh, with nothing important happened today. Which, if you know anything um, about history, King George VIII wrote on July 4th, 1776, nothing important happened today. Yeah. And it's a beautiful story. So <laughs> I just told the whole story to you. <laughs> friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number five is well told. I can't tell it as well as Peter David wrote it. Yeah. Pick it up. The art is fantastic. Um, and this is one of those hidden gems. You might be able to find it, but again, Friendly Neighborhood ended five years ago. It was only like 23 issues long. So I don't know how many issues of this exist. Yeah. Again, if you find but it, it's probably only two bucks. But even if you can't find it, you now you know the story. Now you know the story, and I love it. So that's awesome. Um, I, I love stories where it just shows you who Spider-Man is, and yeah. to me, that's one of them. So yeah, one shots are neat. They are. They can be bad, but sometimes they're really good. Yeah, right. When you don't have to be constrained by continuity or the Clone Saga or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So thanks for listening to my Spider-Man tale. Now it's time to check some box office numbers from last week. This is the box office stats. So no surprise to anybody, but surprise how much money it made to even, <laughs> to even Sony. Yeah. Skyfall, number one movie with $88 million over the weekend. $90 million if you cl- include the $2 million it did on IMAX in one night. Yeah. So um, it set a record for the Bond franchise, which, again, is kind of shocking. Especially after the last movie. I think that's yeah. why they had such low expectations is just as 
the the taste in people's mouth was not always good yeah. as good. But the truth is, with Bond movies, when is the taste ever really? You know, like, yeah. It's it's and real common that the last movie wasn't that great. And, uh, it is interesting because I was reading it uh, forecasting by Sony, who releases the Skyfall movies. And yeah. They're expecting like sixty million. So, and I think it's already at over half a billion dollars worldwide, which Whew. is amazing. Yeah. So, and you should see it. The movie is fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's the big movie last week, and really the only one. Yeah, exactly. So, thanks, Box Office Mojo, for your box office stats. Of course. Oh man, how are we going to get through all the DVD and Blu races? I know it's <laughs> a long list. We better just start ranting them off. Otherwise, yeah. whoo, man. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Expendables two. Expendables two comes out next week. Yeah, that's it. Or Ancient Aliens Season 4. Yeah, Season 4. If you want to see more of that kooky dude with the upside-down uh, eagle perched on his head uh, <laughs> for a haircut talking about, you know, aliens building the pyramids, then, dude, there are, there's apparently now four seasons of that bullshit. Yeah. I used to watch that all the time. Really? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's the worst show. I could never get oh. into shows like that. Those are one of the shows on History Channel I can't stand. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I hate all the other ones, but that one was so ridiculous. The things they were saying were so stupid that it was it was amazing. It was like Nazis in space. Even though it's a slow week on Blu-ray releases, make sure you go to digitalbits.com, click on the box art, it'll take you to Amazon. If you buy it from Amazon with a link from Digital Bits, you support the bits. So make sure you help them out. Very cool. And now it's James's favorite time of the week. Unspool some real news for us, James. It's real news. Not a lot of stuff this week. No, it was pretty not quiet. at all. Uh, always, you know, as as I it think will people be, are starting to go on vacation again. Yeah, well, and as it will be, you know, people talk Star Wars all week, uh, and they will f- until there's another Star Wars movie. But none of it is really interesting yet, um, except for one thing that I thought was hilarious, which was that in an interview, uh, Robert Pattinson, which mm-hmm. makes it already funny, um, <laughs> said that he uh, really likes Jar Jar Binks and he would gladly uh, play Jar Jar Binks if he were in another movie. I would love um, to hear his voice of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how good of a Jamaican accent Robert Pattinson can do. Misa, no Jar Jar Binks. If if they did it, I would want them to do it practically. So they just take Robert Pattinson <laughs> and then just put like funny little googly eyes on top of his head. Like, have you seen the behind the scenes of Star yes. Wars episode one? So you want it like that, where they just have some <laughs> random stick with exactly. a weird... Exactly. Uh, or just like a Jamaican guy in a gray suit. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Yeah, um, I, yeah that would be... Cool, Robert Pattinson. Another reason for me not to like you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I have to think he was doing it as a joke. I hope. That, that somebody, you know, had the balls to go up to him and be like, hey, what what role do you want in a Star Wars movie? And he's like, nobody's going to put me in a Star Wars movie. I'm a piece of shit. Come on. <laughs> um, you know what? If I was in a Star Wars movie, I'd be Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Misa like Jar Jar Binks. I'm so trendy. I like the things everybody else hates. <laughs> what a hipster. Um <laughs> He's probably a really nice... No, he's probably not. He's probably not a really nice guy. Who knows? Um, uh, In actual news, though, Cinemark... Cinemark. We know Cinemark. We do. Um, For once, people have been trying for years to get people to stop texting and using their phones and and just checking the internet and stuff while they're in theaters. It is... It's really distracting. And while people don't realize, like, it's not... It's not a problem of the person sitting next to you using a phone. I mean, I've I've seen that, and that does bug me. But it's actually like if you're sitting higher higher up in the theater, you can see everybody's phones. When we were at Skyfall, there's a lady like two rows to my left who was using it all movie long. Oh man, come it's, on, man. It, yeah. Um, and especially since I am so self conscious the whole beat the movie, especially with movies I like, I end up reviewing it in my head as i go and i keep looking at people on phones exactly. and i go so you must hate this you, if you hate this then what am i not saying you know <laughs> um well anyway cinemark is going to try some positive reinforcement uh they are on their app now there's going to be a thing called Cinemode, which when you turn your phone into Cinemode, when you're at a movie basically if you go the whole movie without using your phone or checking your you know uh, whatever, checking your tweets, if you will, uh, <laughs> they will give you digital coupons. So it'll sort of be the new way for for like you know like the rewards thing that we have mm-hmm. at Regal, um, which is an, it's an interesting way. I mean, the problem is I think that the people who go to a lot of movies already and would want lots of coupons probably already appreciate the I fact guess, they shouldn't yeah. use their phone. You know, so I'm not sure if it's preaching to the choir. Um, 
When but is Alamo Draft House open around us? <laughs> I know. Uh, not soon enough. Right. Um, but still. Uh, and the very last thing is, oh, shoot, I just closed it, and I need the name. Um, you know, they've been making movies out of Disney rides for a while, but now they're talking about making a TV show out of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Which is the you know railroad little? So it's Hell's on Wheels Disney style. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I think uh, uh, th- this one's a really obscure one. I don't yeah. know what the ride's awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's fun, but I don't know what the you know Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, it's a pirate movie. Okay, mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion. Okay, it's a Haunted Mansion. I get it. Railroad in some cliffs. I I don't know. I don't know. It might be really good though. I mean. Haunted Mansion wasn't, but... Yeah, but Guillermo del Toro, is, isn't he making a new one? Yes, <laughs> uh, without any Eddie Murphy in it. Along thank, with the 700 other God. movies he's trying to make. Yeah, man, what is... He that? always does that, doesn't he? Yeah, and then doesn't make The Hobbit. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Peter Jackson probably do a better job with it anyways. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's news. Slow week. Yep. But that's all right. So this week, we went and saw Lincoln. James, should people go see Lincoln? Um, all hyperbole aside, I think that this is one of the finest films that Steven Spielberg has ever made and is one of the most well-crafted, well-told stories I have seen in years. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was total shit. You did not. I'm just kidding. The movie was amazing. Oh, I cried through the whole fucking thing. It's, yeah. um, I'm really glad the girls didn't go with us this week. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, you know what? Go ahead and let's roll the trailer because I love the speech in the trailer. Oh, my God. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. That government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. We can't tell our people they can vote yes on abolishing slavery unless at the same time we can tell them that you're seeking a negotiated peace. It's either the amendment or this Confederate peace. You cannot have both. How many hundreds of thousands have died during your administration? Congress must never declare equal those whom God created unequal. Leave the Constitution alone. We are stepped out upon the world stage now with the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment now, now, now. Abraham Lincoln has asked us to work with him to accomplish the death of slavery. No one's ever been loved so much by the people. Don't. Waste that power. This fight is for the United States of America. Think we choose to be born, or we fitted to the times we're born into? Well, I don't know about myself. You may be. settles the fate for all coming time not only of the millions now in bondage but of unborn millions to come shall we stop this bleeding The movie is pretty amazing. I mean, you said it right. It's you. you we were going up, and you know, we were talking about we just want a great Steven Spielberg movie, which yeah. is stupid because Steven Spielberg usually makes really good movies. Yeah. But I mean, the context of it was we just want to see a good, really good movie. Yeah. And uh, Lincoln delivers. I mean, from the opening where he's just listening to um, black soldiers enlisted in the Civil War. Just, just talk about what they're doing. Just yeah. talk about what they're doing is so good. And then they they end up. Uh, these four soldiers, two of them white and two of them black. Obviously, we're into the spoiler section. If you've never listened before, once we play the trailer, we're talking spoilers now. Um, but this is the first scene. Um, they start reciting back to him the Gettysburg Address, which, mm-hmm. of course, is a beautifully written uh, uh, um, speech. 
and honestly, I I was in tears. I, by the end of that scene, I was like, but I've was, never I've never cried in a movie this quickly since Up. Like but, it's really. But what was great? It's is, so moving. Uh, Lincoln plays the office. Says, okay, yeah, I yeah. get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's trying to tell him like, you know, I know. Yeah, it's yeah, no big deal. It's no big deal. But yeah. when that last guy reads that last line, you're just like, okay, you know the stakes of what's going on in this movie immediately. And what's so fascinating, and what I think movies have worked so well about this, and this is why I think Argo played so well to me, mm. is this is true. It's not. Yeah. It's not something that I mean to abolish slavery to nowadays it seems like oh stupid i mean yeah. everybody's equal but back then yeah no I, I can't emphasize enough how amazing daniel day lewis is in this movie for one oh, yeah because at, what i think was so great about his performance is he was so strong as president lincoln you know what i mean mm-hmm. he, when he was in the war room or he was in a situation room and he was telling him this and that he was so strong yeah but he had such vulnerability when his little boy was playing with the soldiers and he laid down next to him and it, um there was part of part of i think why this was also emotional for me was that there was recently an interview on 60 minutes where they were talking about the relationship between steven spielberg and his dad and Steven Spielberg always, like, his parents got divorced, obviously, and he always blamed it on his dad and didn't know until later in life that it was actually his mother who was having an affair with somebody else. Um, and and he, in that interview, he talks about how he was estranged from his father for so long and then how in the last 20 years or so they've gotten back together and they've become such good friends. And honestly, like, you can see it in his films, the way that, it, that, that his, the way he addresses fathers has changed. Um, because of course, like in ET, the father is missing. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, that scene, when we first see 10, he's laying on the, on the floor and he's, he's by the so fire cute. and Abraham, Abraham Lincoln just goes in and lays down next to him. Just like, I just want to, I just want to lay here and spend mm-hmm. some time with my son. And you're just, ah, oh, it's so heartwarming and beautiful. It's, and you know, too, what's great about this movie is, did you know it was going to be this funny? No, no, no. There's, you know, yeah, there's so <laughs> many parts because. Every, every time Tommy Lee Jones is on screen, yeah. you're just like waiting. Like, you know, I was just weeping a second ago, but you're going to make me laugh through this. But what's amazing is uh, there's a great little thing that Lincoln does. He always tells stories and nobody yeah. knows what he's talking about. Yeah. They're, they're like, what are you talking about? And, um, you know, he goes <laughs> down to the the war room or a communications room. I'm not yeah. sure exactly what you'd call it. Um, but they're sending messages about their attack on a fort. And... Um, Nobody knows that Lincoln's in the room. Yeah. You know, and his his general or his secretary of war, I don't even know who it is, is basically saying, you know, this, that, what's going on? And Lincoln stands up and he says, let me tell you a story about Ethan Allen. <laughs> and he is, and the guy's leaving and he's just spewing. He's like, I don't need to have time for any more stories. Yeah. And, and and the way Daniel Lewis plays is so awesome. He's yeah. laughing about it and he says, I don't think he wants him to tell a story. So Ethan Allen is at this, <laughs> and he tells a story, and oh man, it just, it's so amazing. Yeah. This movie has so many moments where, you're right, it's so emotional. You know, there's, and even quiet moments, there's a part where he has to decide about inviting Southern mm. uh, ambassadors to Washington to negotiate a peace or push forward with the 13th Amendment to abolish slavery. And he's talking to his two communication guys who send out the messages and he's asking what he does and then he tells a story about how p- everything's equal and everything's the same even 2000 years ago is the same and mm-hmm. basically he's relaying the story about how m- people are created equal and you're just in there and you're just in awe of this performance and you're in awe of everything and when lincoln gets up and he walks away and then one of the guys stands up because he's you know respects him so much i wanted to stand up in that moment yeah. because it, it 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 did like he spielberg knows when to just sort of let the scene play a little bit, and and you're right. It it stood out to me too. He he stands up and wants to watch this guy leave the room, and you're just, ah, oh, it was it's amazing, and and it's because like he he's doing such a good job that I honestly, it, especially when he tells those stories, I forget that it's an actor playing Lincoln. It it starts feeling like hey, this is Lincoln exactly. passing down this this little bit of knowledge to us, which happens for me so rarely anymore. And which is um, which great too. You know, we're talking about Daniel Day Lewis, but how great is the supporting cast in this movie? Absolutely. You mentioned Tommy Lee Jones, but Sally Field is so good. Sally Field. Uh, the the scene when when she and he are yelling at each other is, I think, uh, it's it's breathtaking. It, it if, if if anyone else wins an Oscar, it's because there is no justice in the world. She is 
she's never been this good. And, and and she's one of those actresses that especially through you the take 90s for granted. yeah like you f- you forget you know between steel magnolias and this people would forget how amazing she is and she's and i i've told you because <sighs> i watched um soap dish this year cuz i but yeah. you know i started to get go in the back catalog of robert downey jr and she's so good in that movie i'm pretty i'm pretty sure she won i got nominated for an oscar for that movie i think so yeah but then i see her in an amazing spider-man and she plays this aunt may who is somewhat tough, but she still has this vulnerability to her. And then going into Lincoln, where she's just distraught about her son being yeah. dead, and how she, she's, she's depressed. And but at the same time, she has to be this, you know, strong first lady. And, uh. and then yeah, that seems so good because he blames her for her him being sad, and she blames him for him being sad. Yeah. And he says that line. He says, "Don't you tell me what it's not like to grieve, because I would go every day and be buried in that coffin with him." Yeah. Dude. And it, it says so much about the, the sort of the times that, of course, men at that time, especially early, like when she is so distraught and when when he goes to meet her, she's hanging out in Willie's room um, and they, you know, they come and get him and it's like, hey, your wife is in Willie's room. She doesn't do this. You have to go talk to her. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he hardly says anything to her. And you're just like, you know, it, especially for me, who, you know, tender hearted I am. Um, I have I I want to like hug Sally Field and tell mm-hmm. her it's all gonna be okay and like we're gonna make it through this and um but he doesn't do that because that's not what men like him at the time did and no it, and uh, what's great about the movie too is like I said they show so many different sides of Lincoln yeah vulnerability powerful frail yeah because I I think he he suffered from uh, oh I forget what it's called but he like he had the hunchback yeah well he was so big that mm-hmm. um. Yeah, like there are a lot of times where they they don't even make a big point out of it, but he'll just like as he gets up, you'll see, you know, he just the way the way that he gets himself up out of a chair. You're but like, there's wow. but there's times, you know, the scene in the trailer where he says, "Will you stand by now, now?" and that oh. whole speech where he gets all of a sudden he has this power and he's in okay, this is President Lincoln and he's not backing down and it's important for him to pass this because he realizes that if you don't abolish slavery then you're going to have another civil war yeah because and you even say it's two nations and then you know Ulysses s grant says no we're one nation mm-hmm. we're going to be together and it's just an amazing movie well and i think teamed with you know yes okay of course it's it's daniel day lewis who is you know every time he takes on a role every few years he embodies that character in such a way that it is unparalleled um but then to team it with Steven Spielberg, who, uh, man, there's a speech that, that he gives earlier that's got to be, you know, five minutes, it feels like, or four minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just he just subtly is zooming in across the room for the whole time. Yeah. And the shot is changing, as you expect, you know, shots to change if you were cutting. Um, but you'll, you'll suddenly realize, like, we're, you know, at a, at a close-up of Lincoln, and he is still delivering this, this long speech. And it's all the same cut because mm-hmm. these people are masters. And it's it's not even just, it's unfair to even just spotlight them because um, at the end of the movie, I was thinking about this and I'm going, this is a collection of some of the finest actors of a generation oh, yeah. and, and the Top finest filmmaking team, not just from the directors, but to the editors, to the the unbelievably beautiful score that, of course... Every time there's a new John Williams score that impresses me, I think, how does he have this much music in him? You know, yeah. and anybody else would have started repeating themselves by now, but this one is gorgeous. And you were talking, even the little boy Tad, like he's the innocence in it, and you buy oh. the little boy, and he's so cute, and it's it's great. And I can't, I can't stress this enough how great this movie is. The 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 play. Oh, we haven't even talked about Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who of course is in like the fourth movie this year. Um, who is he's really good and i think that um that it's an, it's interesting because that that character almost needs to not be in, in the movie mm-hmm. because he does so little but the one scene the first scene that he's in and the way that we see the difference between the way that lincoln treats tad and the way that lincoln treats robbie i think says so much but it's also important for the growth of the character of not only abraham lincoln but you know his wife mary lincoln because mm-hmm. they have to learn that just because Willie died, they can't shelter the rest of their children. Right. And they have to 
you know, help them along. And well, and it plays into that scene where where they're finally, you know, getting through some of their emotions and they're yelling at each other and she's on the floor and she's talking about how, you know, any other father would love their oldest son most, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just, and we've already seen, like we already have have seen evidence that he he cares about his children in different ways. Um, but it, uh, and you're, I want to see it again because I don't even realize how how well they try to paint different pictures of him mm-hmm. throughout the movie, you know, because mm-hmm. because the the performance is so consistent that it always feels like the same Abraham Lincoln that then I don't I forget that they are showing me different things. Yeah. And really fleshing out this character so that it almost it, it almost feels like they their their focus is not even as much him getting this thing passed as much as it is how could we use that to paint this broad picture of who Lincoln was um, in this tiny little scale of time, uh, which is no small feat. Um, and then at the same time, all of the scenes, you know, most most of the time, if you were going to write a scene where people sit around and argue political debates in a room, I, I can't imagine it would be as fascinating and engrossing and funny as this is. You know, all those all those scenes in the house are... Oh amazing yeah and people finding for i you know the certain senators finding voices yeah. you know that they're against it but they're afraid and it's just really cool yeah if we haven't said it before you need to go see this movie yeah absolutely um and even oh man uh oh shoot what's his name the guy who plays boyd crowder unjustified is in this as the guy who's who says you know he he doesn't have any courage so he can't do what he's doing and his story which has maybe two or three scenes mm-hmm. is so good and moving at the end um yep whew. it's man oh and the tommy Lee jones reveal we oh yeah. man that when he i was again moved to tears when he takes that thing and says like i'll return it i'll return it tomorrow creased but unharmed mm-hmm. and then he takes it and just the idea that he wanted to hold the piece of paper for a while was and so you find out why and of course fighting. why yeah like why he cares so much oh it makes me want to go read a book about thaddeus stevens yeah exactly <laughs> man so go see lincoln you can also tweet us real underscore nerds you can email us real nerds at gmail.com you can go to our website real nerds and listen to the shows you can download us on itunes real nerds podcast like us on facebook um, next week, <laughs> I don't know what we're seeing next week. Guess Life of Pi. Oh, is that is that okay? I think that's next week. Yeah. So um, we'll announce it on the site. We'll announce it on know. the site. Since, we'll keep since it. Brad's not here, we can't make any choices. Yeah. yeah, we can't change things around without him being here. Exactly. So until next week, or actually until Wednesday, if you're listening to this, where you can hear our amazing interviews again. Bye. Bye. <laughs>